The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And a special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 14 Black and Blue Kevin Henry sat on a bench along the wall of the barn, watching Orpheus dance his way through some sort of stretching exercise. He had not slept. Colin had not come home. He had convinced Orpheus that Colin was just blowing off steam and would be back, but he had not convinced himself. In his mind, he worked on the speech. He wanted to explain that he had listened, that he understood people were bigoted and unfair to people who were different from them. The new plan was not to deny that, but to use it against them. With Orpheus's ability to speak foreign languages, they would present him as the opposite of wherever they went. To the British, he would be French. To the French, he would be German. To the Germans, he'd be Italian. They would make it seem as if he was winning the first match by luck and cheating. So when a local champ came to take his shot, he would be overconfident. Everyone will be betting against the kid through pride or bias or greed. Then the best part, the next night, he wins. We are no longer playing to lose. This time, the fight is straight. No one can accuse us of scamming them. It will be a fair fight. That is what Henry planned to say. He was sure it would convince him. But when the door opened, Colin stood for a moment and said, So he's blonde now? Yeah, was all Henry could reply. Well, I guess someone will have to teach him how to box. He removed his shirt and climbed into the ring. Okay, kid. First rule, no kicking anybody. Henry knew the fight was over. Colin had forgiven him, and they would never speak of it again. The rest of the plan could be explained later. Henry watched as Colin began to explain the rules and basic moves of boxing. Now relieved that everything was back on track, he fell asleep sitting on the bench. Colin called Orpheus Kid, or The Kid, from then on. Orpheus understood the need to be handsome, Jim. He even liked being called kid. He understood the word to be practically synonymous with the word boy. But somehow, when Colin said kid, it felt affectionate and respectful. When he said boy, it was insulting and dismissive. Like when someone called him Lee, as opposed to when the children used to say it, Lee. What he hadn't understood was Colorado. So the night before, he had asked Henry, What exactly is a Colorado? Colorado's not a thing, it's a place, said Henry. What's there? Nothing. Colorado is not even a state. It's just one of the western territories. There's not enough people in Colorado to put together a cricket team. The idea was that the likelihood of someone calling out the kid for not being from Colorado was slim, because no one is from Colorado. Also, it's really beautiful there. There are grassy fields and valleys, snow-capped mountains, forests full of deer and rabbit. It's not as cold as it is up north, and not nearly as hot as it is down south. It's a paradise, somehow ignored. 
It's my end game. No scam is going to work forever, and when we have enough money, I plan to buy a piece of Colorado. A big one of our own. Colin's right. I want to live in a world that works the way I think it should. And if I can't do that here, I will make a new world, even if it's just the two of us. It didn't take long to teach Orpheus the basics, and Colin found that as long as Orpheus didn't attack, he was untouchable. He ducked and dodged like a fortune teller, always gone before any punch could land. But when he went on the offensive, his moves were too long, they left him open, and he was fast, but his strikes were light and badly focused. Stop! commanded Colin. You fight like you're trying not to hurt me. I'm trying not to hurt you. Listen, kid. Out there, it's going to get deadly fast. We like to pretend that there are rules, that this is just a peaceful exhibition of skill, but the local champs we plan to put you up against are going to try to fucking kill you. You're going to have to stop playing nice and hurt someone. Yes, master, said Orpheus with a slight bow. Oh, fuck no. Don't call me that. If you must, you can call me sir. Yes, sir, Orpheus tried, liking the sound of it better. The two men sparred all day, each teaching the other secrets of what they knew. The body is a machine, said Colin. Dismantle that machine. See the path of energy as it flows. Let it pass by you. Add to the energy and push it further. Watch your opponent fall, instructed Orpheus. This was the beginning. Mixing his speed and Colin's power, Orpheus would develop a hybrid style all his own. A gift he would one day pass down to Paris. Colin woke Henry by mussing his hair. We're going for dinner. Then we'll get the kid a room at the hotel, said Colin. You... you like him? Henry asked, as he yawned and stretched. We'll talk about that later, Colin replied. But Henry knew they probably wouldn't. He did note, though, that at no point in the sentence Colin had used the word fuck. A sure sign he was happy. Henry got up. Food sounds nice. I could eat. The next day was the first fight. Orpheus and Colin had their little drama ready. Orpheus would pretend to be French. Colin said everyone hated the French, so it would be a good fallback in a city that had a wide mix of nationalities like San Francisco had. Orpheus played the villain. He cursed at the audience in French. He faked illegal punches. Then he would spit on Colin when he was down. He called him old man and grandpa. So when it looked like Colin had a second wind and was making a comeback, the crowd was on his side. Orpheus hit him with a low blow and an uppercut, ending the match in both surprise and disappointment. But the match had lasted 30 minutes, and the crowd could not remember the last time they were so excited. They just wished that the French jerk had gotten his comeuppance. Orpheus quickly changed and snuck out the back before the crowd could corner him. For the next part of the scam, Henry didn't want him around. If they saw him and Colin didn't actually hate each other, it could ruin things. So Orpheus explored the market, looking through the exotic merchandise the port had brought in from all over the world. He was surprised how similar it was to Hong Kong, except more western shops. He caught a glimpse of himself in a window. With his hair blonde, he now understood. 
Whatever British blood was in him had altered his eyes, giving him the tell-tale crease. The rest of his features were very Chinese, his nose and smooth face, but his hair, now blonde, even he could not say what nationality he looked most like. As he went shop to shop, he would wait for someone to speak to him. Then he would mimic their accent. It seemed people treated him better, assuming he was like them. He thought of it as his chameleon act. But he felt guilty. Was he betraying his ancestors? Weren't his ancestors also British? Maybe, whatever ancestors there were, they could fight about it amongst themselves. He had come to a new world, and he needed to get along, so he tried not to think about it. After all, what harm is there in just trying to fit in? he asked himself. The money he had brought with him, and what he had won from Colin and Henry, wasn't a fortune. But as he went from shop to shop, he began to realize it was a significant amount, enough that he could spend a bit without concern. He wanted a hat. He picked one out like Colin's, only black instead of light brown. Inside the general store, he bought a bag full of one or two of every type of penny candy they had. He was planning to find out which was his favorite. He was trying out a piece of licorice when he saw a display that said French Harps. It sat over a series of small metal rectangle boxes. Excuse me, what is a French harp? Orpheus asked the shop clerk. That's just a fancy way of saying harmonica. You want to try one? The shopkeeper already had one out and was shoving it in Orpheus's hand. Oh, yes, can I? Orpheus looked briefly at the instructions on the box. In his mind, he thought, half step, whole step. There's the C and the G and the A. He blew it on a little to give it a test. And that was all it took. He began to play The Men in the Forest, a piece of music that sounded especially good on harmonica. Well, looks like that little guy was made for you. It's also perfect for travel, fits right in your pocket. Orpheus ignored the sales clerk and kept playing. I will just ring that up over here for you, shall I? Orpheus nodded and followed the man, still playing and not letting the song falter. He played through the entire transaction, then went straight back to his hotel room to try out other songs. The next day, Colin got to the ring early to find Orpheus was already there, once again dancing through his stretching exercises. He was going to have to ask the kid to teach them to him some day. He was waking up in the mornings, stiffer and stiffer, and that kind of routine would probably help him, he thought. Okay, kid, listen up, called Colin. Yes, sir. Henry found a match for you today. Now, during the match, I won't be in your corner, because we're supposed to hate each other. So instead, I will be in the audience, pretending to have bet against you. So this is how we communicate when the match begins. Dodge around a bit. Don't let him hit you. Get a feel for his movements. Then, when I yell, hit him already, that's your cue to let him swing into your guard. Don't let him stun you. If his strikes are too heavy, go back to dodging. I'll be fine. Don't get cocky. You've never had a real fight before. When I yell, keep your guard up, that's your cue to finish him. You know the combination we've been working on. Lay him out, then leave as quick as you can. There's a lot of money riding on this one, and the crowd is going to be mad more than they were yesterday. What about Henry? I will protect Henry, but you need to leave fast. 
We'll meet up later at the hotel. Now, I have something I want you to wear. Colin pulled out padded leather wrist cuffs. Try them on, see if they fit. Orpheus immediately noticed that they were surprisingly heavy. They have weights in them, and they will give you extra power in your punch. Colin removed his shirt and got in the ring. Let's try them out, then. Orpheus felt the extra power, but the added weight messed with his speed and timing. Okay, okay, stop. Take them off for this fight. But afterwards, wear them all the time, even when you're sleeping. Yes, sir, Orpheus agreed. They continued to spar for an hour, going over the combinations and signals. Okay, kid, you're as ready as you can be. Don't fuck this up. Colin got out of the ring and put his shirt back on. Get some rest, kid, he said, as he walked out of the barn. Orpheus went back to his stretching exercises, but they failed to calm him. So instead, he got out his harmonica and sat in the center of the ring. He played The Moon Reflects on the Water of a Still Lake. The hours leading up to the fight passed, and Henry entered the barn to find Orpheus still playing. He stopped for a moment. He knew that Orpheus had said he was trained in music, but wow. His mind spun to see if this could help them in any way. After a moment, it answered back to him, no. So Henry shrugged it off. Okay, Lee, we're going to let people in. Head backstage until I announce you. Yes, sir, said Orpheus. Oh, you can just call me Henry. Okay, Henry, Orpheus said as he stood up and walked backstage. Backstage was a corner of the bar with hay bales stacked up to make a wall. There was a bale to sit on and a bale to set your clothes on to dress. The bales were only stacked four feet high, so if you sat down, you were hidden, but if you stood up, you could see over the wall of hay. Orpheus rummaged through his bag to find his book. He started to read, then peeked out over the wall at the growing crowd. He sat down, pulled out his sack of penny candy. He picked out a lemon drop. The surprisingly strong flavor was too much for him, so he spat it out. He peeked out over the barricade again. The seats were now full. Well, the hay bales anyways. He sat down, taking out his harmonica. He tried to play, but the barn began to grow loud and nothing sounded right. He got up and peeked out over the wall. The barn was now full of people. People were standing in the back and down between the rows. Okay, he said quietly to himself. You can do this. Stay calm. See the path. Stay calm. See the path. He bends at his joints. He pivots in the center. It's all predictable if you stay calm. And you look on the bright side, he reassured himself. You didn't have to take any tickets. Orpheus watched Henry climb into the ring. Henry held out his hand to quiet the murmuring crowd with some degree of success. Gentlemen, today we have an exhibition of fighting skill for you. This will be a bare-knuckle boxing match. There will be no referee, so the fighter who submits or cannot continue will be the loser. So... I am glad you all seem to have left the ladies at home, because this will not be a demonstration for the weaker sex. We want to keep any fainting in the ring. Henry paused to allow the men to laugh at his joke. After all, 
We are not barbarians. Henry had the crowd in his hand. Today's challenger is from here in San Francisco. Your very own Black Kevin. Henry had explained to Orpheus the night before what it had meant to be black or white or apparently yellow. None of these distinctions seemed to make any sense to him, but he understood that black somehow meant of African descent. They were more kind of brown, he thought, but it wasn't his system, and he didn't really care that much. He wondered if Black Kevin was from Africa, but even from his obstructed view behind the wall of hay, he could see, as Black Kevin came to the ring, that he was not, at least not originally. Black Kevin was white, or more of a sort of reddish peach, thought Orpheus. Black Kevin was in fact German, and the other Germans in San Francisco liked to think he was called Black Kevin because his mean fighting style supposedly proved to all who saw him box that his heart was black as coal. However, the real reason he was called Black Kevin was because in his first fight he was put up against another man named Kevin. The other man was wearing blue boxing shorts, and Black Kevins were of course black. So when the report of the fight ended up in the news the next day, they called them Black and Blue Kevins. Reporters always think they're so funny. Blue Kevin gave up boxing only a few months later and was forgotten. Black Kevin, however, loved the name. He thought it made him sound tough. And he was tough. Well, he was okay. He had won a few more matches than he had lost. And his friends hated the French. So when he heard about the new French fighter, he was the first to find Henry, bragging in the bar about the kid. He insisted that he fight the kid tomorrow. Colin pretended to be drunk. He went on and on loudly to anyone who would listen that the kid was no good, that he won by luck, that he cheated and still almost lost, that if he had been younger, it would never have happened. Black Kevin was eavesdropping the whole time. He got his friends to bet for him so not to seem inappropriate. His friends, hearing Kevin's confidence, bet some of their own money as well. Then, rumors spread that Kevin was a sure thing. Henry was up all night taking money, and it was all against the kid. No one but Henry was betting for him. So, like he had done in the past, Henry the Hustler made his move. If Orpheus lost this fight, he was never going to be able to pay back the bets. They would kill him. And his opponent! Handsome Jim! The Colorado Kid! Called Henry. Orpheus came out, his nose in the air, his overconfident French persona masking his nervous doubts. Stay calm. See the path, his mind told him. The crowd began to boo. He wondered how many of the much bigger audience had returned from yesterday. He thought they should charge more for the second day. As he got into the ring, Henry slipped out of it. It was now just the two of them, Orpheus and Black Kevin. Orpheus forgot himself for a moment and gave a slight bow. A lifetime of training does not disappear overnight. He held out his fists, and as soon as the other fighter touched them with his, the fight was on. No bell, no ref, just a kind of understanding that there were rules. Black Kevin hit Orpheus's hand with his own, and then came out swinging. 
Orpheus's fears vanished. Black Kevin was slow. Orpheus felt like the man was standing in molasses. He had forever to dodge. He couldn't help but look at Colin to see if he could see what was happening. Colin turned away, not wanting to get caught sending signals. Orpheus risked turning to see Henry. Henry pointed back at the ring, telling him that he needed to watch the other fighter, not him. Just hit him already, yelled Colin, sending out the first of the signals. But Orpheus almost took a swing, forgetting himself for a moment. He kept his guard up and stepped into a punch. Even Black Kevin's punches were weak. Colin hit harder when they were sparring. Hell, the other kids in the opera house hit harder. Orpheus let Black Kevin swing into his guard a few more times. The crowd began to cheer. Orpheus ducked away, pretending that he was overwhelmed. It must have made Colin nervous, because he yelled, Keep your guard up! Orpheus had the signal to end it. Black Kevin came towards him. Orpheus swung, pretending to aim for his ribs, but really targeting his elbow. The pain shot into Black Kevin like a knife. He dropped his guard for a moment, trying to shake it off. Orpheus punched him in the right shoulder, dislocating it. Kevin's right arm was now completely out of commission. He had no defense on his right side. Kevin saw the blow coming, but couldn't raise his right arm in time to stop it. Orpheus hit him under the jaw on his right side, just back behind his ear. His head rocked back, then forward, and he fell. Kevin screamed in pain. His jaw was broken. He tapped out, submitting the match, and quickly rolled out of the ring. The crowd was booing and mumbling. Henry slipped into the ring and held up his hand to announce, The winner! Handsome Jim, the Colorado Kid! Then whispered as he dropped his hand, Burn leather, we'll catch up later. Orpheus tried not to look like he was running, but he quickly went backstage, stuffed his book, harmonica, and candy into his bag, threw on his shirt and pants over his shorts, then slipped out the back. He ran back to the hotel room, locked the door, collapsed on the bed. He had done it. He had won. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, read by Paris Lee. Artwork by me, Helen Lee. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead, except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of my artwork and Paris's writing at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. This podcast was made with the love and support of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.